You're listening to A Little Bit Better, a podcast where we talk about how breaking goals into small steps can lead to big results. Here we'll examine the cause and effects of our thoughts, our actions, and inactions, and how they influence how we live our lives. I'm your host, Chris Swale, a life and health coach. Let's get started. Hey, it's Chris. Welcome back to A Little Bit Better, the podcast. This is number four in my series on perimenopause and women's health. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about nutrition, specifically gut health. We know how gut health is so critical in overall health and how it can affect so many different systems in our lives, physically and mentally. And so it's no surprise that the same would be true in menopause. So we're going to talk a little bit about the gut microbiome and digestion. Before we go any further, I want to ask you a little favor. If you've been enjoying this series, please share it with a friend or family members or your group, your community of women, so that they can learn about the menopausal journey as well. My goal is to reach as many women as I can so that everyone feels supported and capable of being able to advocate for themselves and just understand what's happening in their bodies. Okay, let's talk about the stomach. As I mentioned in the opening, gut health is just critical for all over health. And for women who are perimenopausal or postmenopausal, it is extra critical because it helps to improve mood, energy balance. What happens in your gut has a profound impact on what happens in other systems in your body, including your brain. So it has an emotional tie-in as well. Physically and mentally, so much starts with the gut. And when things aren't going well in our body or our, our mind emotionally, we can look at the gut to try to improve them. And this includes many symptoms of perimenopause and postmenopause. Benefits of nurturing a good gut include improvement in your mood, better energy, better quality of sleep, and even being able to fall asleep. The gut is critical for immunity and it can help, of course, with body composition as the gut and digestion in general is the main way that our nutrients are sent throughout our bodies. So what is your microbiome? Think of it as a mini universe and it is where a whole bunch of little microorganisms live and their role is to assist in breaking down and absorbing food. When they do this, they create critical byproducts that help you produce hormones and regulate your metabolism. They also impact your central nervous system, including the automatic nervous system, which is your fight or flight or rest and digest system. When your microbiome is out of whack, you end up at an increased risk for things such as cardiovascular disease, anxiety, depression, obesity, among other things. Our microbiome is so powerful that it can even affect your sleep. Because these microorganisms can affect the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system, they can turn your sympathetic nervous system on, that's the fight or flight side of it, which can greatly affect your sleep cycle. When your sympathetic nervous system is lit up, you can have troubles falling asleep and you can also end up with less REM sleep because you'll be spending more time in light sleep. You're not getting as many or quality REM and deep sleep segments in your night sleep cycle. 
And when you're in perimenopause and menopause, there are so many avenues that can already disrupt your sleep. So taking care of your microbiome, your digestive tract, is one way you can help try to improve or protect your sleep. And of course, all the benefits that come with a good quality of sleep. So speaking of benefits, what's the most simple way to promote and nurture a healthy microbiome? Well, it's eating whole, fresh foods. A whole food diet means that you're eating food in its most natural form. So of course, this would mean you're choosing lots of fruit and vegetables. A way to boost the diversity of your microbiome is to eat lots of fibrous fruits and veg. A bonus about eating these types of foods is that these fibrous foods increase the amount of bacteria that use estrone, which is the less desirable form of estrogen when we're in menopause, and it's not nearly as helpful as the estrogen that we have during our reproductive years. So by increasing the amount of bacteria that use that estrone, we can help keep it in check. And what that does is it can eliminate or reduce menopausal symptoms, and it has been shown as a factor in decreasing your risk of cancer. So if there's just one thing that you want to do to try to feed your microbiome in a healthy, positive way, then incorporate eating lots of fibrous fruits and vegetables in a whole food diet. Ideally, you want to be aiming for 25 grams of fiber daily from these fruits and vegetables. Here's a list of foods that are high in fiber. Apples, bananas, oranges, strawberries, and raspberries. Mangoes, guava, any dark colored vegetable such as beets, broccoli, carrots. A general guideline is that the darker the color of the vegetable, the higher the fiber content will be. Collard greens and Swiss chard are great. And for potatoes, russet red and sweet potatoes are great. Keep the skin on because most of the fiber is actually found in the skin. You also want to aim at including foods that are rich in micronutrients called polyphenols. Examples of these kinds of foods are fruit, and especially berries, vegetables, seeds, nuts, beans, olive oil. And for those of you with some of the following vices, you may be happy to hear, as I was, that dark chocolate, coffee, tea, and red wine also have a lot of polyphenols. Fun fact, a study in the U.S. in 2019 found that people who drink two or more cups of coffee a day have a healthier gut microbiome than those who drink less or no coffee. Now, I'm not going to go into the coffee debate. I know a lot of people don't like it. It doesn't feel good in their system. And if that's you, then definitely do not drink it. I feel like one day we read that a certain type of food is great for us, and then all of a sudden it's terrible for us, and then it changes again. So focus on keeping things in moderation. And of course, that goes for drinking the red wine if you do choose to incorporate that into your diet. If you're not sure exactly what kind of diet to follow, the Mediterranean diet is really good in hitting a lot of these food sources. This makes a lot of sense because it's full of fresh fruit and vegetables and whole foods and animal proteins from fish. All of those types of foods are associated with supporting a healthy body. When we talk about gut health, we need to talk about probiotics. Probiotics are foods that contain healthy bacteria. These are critical in maintaining a healthy community of microorganisms and they help restore your gut, your good bacteria, if it's been in an imbalance. Sometimes this happens when we take medications. 
There are many ways our microbiome can get out of whack, including taking medications, being sick, eating a lot of processed sugar or other unhealthy foods, just to name a few. If you're experiencing unhappy bowels, especially diarrhea, that's an indication that your probiotics are probably a little bit low. There's still a lot of research that needs to be done on probiotics, but it is also being linked with a reduction in feelings of depression and in helping with prevent or minimize allergies, including eczema and potentially the common cold. It's pretty interesting. We're just scratching the surface with a lot of our body systems. There are a lot of probiotic supplements out there, although I always recommend that you try to get them through foods if you can. Here are some types of foods that are high in probiotics. Yogurt can be a great source, although some companies add more probiotics into the yogurt, and it's actually recommended to avoid the products that have had additional probiotics added and instead enjoy them from regularly processed yogurt. Fermented foods are the ones that are often high in the probiotics, so this can include things like sauerkraut and kimchi and kombucha. Buttermilk does, but probably most of the buttermilk that you find in the grocery store doesn't, so you'd have to read the label to see if the one you have does. Cheese can include probiotics. Cottage cheese is the best because it's not aged or heated. And other cheeses that often contain probiotics are Swiss, Gouda, cheddar, provolone, Gruyere. Miso soup is another source. It's made by fermenting soybeans with salt and good bacteria. Miso is a great addition. You can throw it into broth, into stir fries and sauces. And also tempeh is high in probiotics. It's also great because it is a high source of fiber, protein, and iron. I just want to touch on something back to if you are getting your probiotics from capsules or supplements, you may not need to take them 365 days a year. It was recommended for me to take them for three months and then take three months off and see how my gut was feeling. If I started to feel that things were out of whack, then to reincorporate them. So you can do this alternating two or three months on, two or three months off. Sometimes you may find that you can take the supplements for a couple months and then maintain a healthy and comfortable gut by getting your probiotics from your foods. So prebiotics are foods that are good at keeping the probiotic bacteria thriving. Great sources of prebiotic foods include garlic, onions, asparagus, dandelion greens, Jerusalem artichoke, and leeks. If this all feels like a lot, I really encourage you just to pick one type of food and focus on incorporating that for now. And then when that becomes a habit and easy and comfortable, then you can always come back to this and pick another thing to try to incorporate. Cruciferous vegetables are fantastic. They help manage hormones. They're rich in antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals, and fiber. Cruciferous veggies include Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cabbage is in kimchi and sauerkraut, of course, which are sources of high probiotic foods, broccoli, cauliflower, and kale. These are great types of foods that also help reduce abdominal fat buildup. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about in terms of foods before we go into digestion, which is less on the food and more in the way you eat, is adaptogens. Adaptogens are plant foods and they can increase your body's tolerance to stress. They can make you feel less stress and anxiety because they build over time and minimize some of your cortisol responses. Some adaptogens are stimulative and some are calming. They can affect and help regulate several body functions, including digestion, immunity, temperature control, and mood. A lot of people report that 
they feel more energy and they feel clearer in mind and less anxiety when they incorporate adaptogens into their diet. One note with adaptogens is that they can have ill effects. So please always consult with your doctor, especially if you are on HRT, hormone replacement therapy, because some of these adaptogens should not be taken with certain medications and when you're on HRT. So first up is ashwagandha. It's a calming adaptogen. It should not be taken with thyroid medications. And what it can do is it can reduce cortisol, lower anxiety and depression. It helps with insulin and blood sugar. So that may help reduce belly fat. It can improve sleep quality. It's got anti-inflammatory qualities. And some people report that it helps minimize hot flashes. Another adaptogen in the calming category is holy basil or Tulsi. Do not take this one if you are on anticoagulants. And what holy basil does is helps to reduce feelings of stress and anxiety. It acts as an antioxidant and can help with blood sugar control. So it too may help reduce belly fat and can improve sleep. The next three adaptogens are stimulating. First up is rhodiolo rosea. It should not be taken with low blood pressure meds or estrogen. It has been shown to combat fatigue and improve cognitive functioning. So this means you have more energy and you feel clearer in your thinking. It can help reduce irritability, anxiety, and hot flashes. And it may be linked in helping to prevent or reduce cardiovascular or bone thinning conditions. Next up in the stimulants is Cassandra. This one can have a caffeine-like effect, so it is not recommended to take it in the late afternoon or evening. It is linked with improving cognitive functioning, energy levels, and focus, including mental performance. And it has also been shown to reduce hot flashes, sweating, and heart palpitations. And last up for the adaptogens, also in the stimulative category, is maca. This one should also not be taken if you are on thyroid medications. Maca is a hormone modulator and it has strong anti-inflammatory qualities. It's been linked with improving mood and energy, alleviating brain fog, and helps reduce feelings of anxiety and depression. I know these can sound like they're magic fixes. They're not, of course. And again, please speak with your doctor before incorporating any of them to make sure that there's no counterindications with other things that you're taking or are on. These adaptogens aren't necessarily going to fully remove everything, but some people report that they really can be quite effective. Before I close this episode out, I want to talk about how you eat. Nutrition isn't just about calories in versus calories burned. It's not about starving yourself. That's not nutritious. In fact, when you don't eat enough, you can put your body into a starvation mode. It means that your body wants to conserve your fat stores. So what it actually does is it takes what little food you do eat and it will turn it into fat instead of breaking it down and distributing it throughout your other systems the way it would have otherwise. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but not eating enough can actually make your body hold on to fat. In terms of timing, try not to eat after 8 p.m., 8 or 9 p.m. Your body can't do what it needs to do in sleep if it's busy digesting your food. You don't need to intermittent fast. Some people find it highly effective. There's also studies that show it's not good for women over 40. Use your intuition and, and do what you know works for you. Just make sure you're keeping in mind how you feel. If you're feeling low energy and really grumpy, then one indication may be that you're not eating enough calories. You're not getting enough proper food. 
When you're working out, it's great to have a little bit of a snack before you work out. So about 15, maybe 20 to 10 minutes before you work out. This ensures that your body has enough fuel so it doesn't go, "Uh uh-oh, I'm expending a lot of energy. I better start converting food that I do get into fat. And then when you're finished working out, try to eat within 30 minutes of finishing your exercise. Women's bodies metabolize food at a higher rate for 30 minutes after a good workout. Men, of course, get three hours after the workout. We women get 30 minutes. So try to capitalize on that. Eat within 30 minutes of finishing your exercise. Now let's look at how to eat. Enjoy it. Enjoy your food. Make it social. Make it slow. Studies show that even when we're not making the healthiest choices, When we are enjoying our food, our bodies will digest it and process it more efficiently. Eating slowly is a way you can add some enjoyment into your food. You can use slow eating as an awareness exercise as well. So you're going to get the benefits of practicing awareness and being present, as well as knowing that you're full before you've overeaten. Aim to try to eat your meal for 20 minutes. That may not even sound like a long time, but you will be really surprised to find how quickly you might be wolfing down your food. When I was in health coach training, we did an exercise where we put a timer on the moment we started a meal and then when we stopped. I think the average amount of time that people spent eating meals was three minutes. Breakfast was even less. People just wolfed it down sometimes in under a minute. Lunch was a little bit longer, but still really quick because people have a tendency to sit at their desk and just quickly shovel food in. Dinner had a little bit longer, but even dinner, very few people even made it to the 10-minute mark. That's looking at your regular weeknight dinner, not a social dinner where you are more inclined to sit at the table for longer periods of time. A super easy trick for lengthening the time it takes for you to finish your meal is by putting your utensils down, or if you're eating finger food, put the food fully down three times during the meal. So if I was eating something with a fork, I would make a conscious effort to put my fork down on the table put my hands in my lap, and then I can go back to my fork, pick it up again and eat. And try incorporating that three times during the meal. Another really easy technique to lengthen your meal is to breathe. I know that sounds kind of funny, but often when we eat, we're not taking full breaths. Chew, swallow, and then take a moment to breathe in, and then fully exhale. Maybe have another inhale, and then another full exhale. Taking breaths like this helps you oxygenate your food, which assists in digestion. It helps your nervous system be in the parasympathetic state, so you are feeling more relaxed, so you will also digest your food better. And again, it makes you more present so that you're really aware of how you're eating and hopefully enjoying the food that you've chosen. A third technique to slow down your eating is to really concentrate or focus on how your food tastes. Think about the texture or the flavor and even the temperature. Just taking note of those things can really make you enjoy the quality of your food. And then in terms of what to eat, if you have a bad day or a bad couple of days, don't beat yourself up for it. Slowly incorporate healthier foods. One technique for making your diet more healthy if you know that you are choosing more processed and highly fatty foods is to add rather than subtract. So don't worry about removing the unhealthy foods yet. They don't have to go anywhere yet. When you're trying to make healthy changes, sometimes your brain will throw a wall up because it doesn't want to stop doing what it's doing and it doesn't want to give up things. 
So by using the add technique, you can still have your chips or your pop. You're not removing them, but what you're doing is you're adding something else in, but that add-in needs to be healthy. So if you're somebody who doesn't eat fruit, your add-in could be a piece of fruit every day. The sneaky thing that happens is that when we do this and we make it a habit and we add rather than focus on what we're removing, we naturally will start making healthier choices and remove those things of our own free will. It's a way of kind of tricking yourself into removing those foods without forcing yourself to do it. You'll find that you'll actually want to, that you'll start reaching or incorporating more and more healthy foods. And like we touched upon in the beginning of this episode, try to go for whole foods, not processed. And if you're wondering how much of each type of food to eat, a really simplified way to look at it is picture your plate as a circle, put a line right down the middle so it's cut in half, the left half should be all your greens and vegetables, then put a line through the other half of the circle and focus on having one quarter protein and one quarter carbs. And then incorporate one to two tablespoons of healthy fats. This could be your olive oils, your avocado, nuts and seeds, that sort of thing. So that was a little overview about our microbiome, about digestion and how to eat. There are tremendous benefits for creating and maintaining a healthy gut microbiome, including healthy digestion processes. The way you eat and your enjoyment of your food greatly impacts these processes as well. The benefits include better mental health, including reducing brain fog and feelings of anxiety and depression. It helps with body composition, including the management and distribution of fat. A healthy digestive tract helps us absorb and use the nutrients from our foods more efficiently. It can help with sleep quality, especially that deeper REM restorative sleep. It can help with immunity. Having a healthy gut biome really helps strengthen our immune system. You'll have more energy when your digestive tract is working optimally and having a balanced microbiome and healthy digestion can help reduce the inflammation throughout the other systems in your body. If you have any questions on this, please reach out to me. I hold certifications as a life coach and a health coach. Being on my own menopausal journey has really helped me get in touch more with the types of foods and movement that are really beneficial for women, especially as we get older. Again, please share this podcast with others. Let's make the conversation about women's health accessible and really open so that everybody feels supported and capable and confident to be able to manage and navigate their own health journey. We don't need to feel uncomfortable. We don't need to suck it up. We do not need to suffer. A lot of times, a small shift can make a big difference. There's a lot of information in this series and only you know you best. So if it feels a little bit overwhelming, just think about one thing that resonates with you. Think of one thing that you know that you can do and then add that one thing onto a pre-existing habit. For example, if you always have an afternoon snack, you don't need to change what you're having, but maybe you incorporate some broccoli into that or into your dinner. We don't need to do everything all at once. Focus on just one thing. And once that starts feeling easy, you can implement and add more of these tips and tricks in. If it feels too hard to actually change any of your foods right now or to add foods in, then think about those techniques I shared about slowing your eating down. So breathe in your meal, put your utensils fully down in your hands in your lap three times, or focus on exactly what the food tastes like, the qualities of it. There's lots of information out there. You've got the power of choice and you've got me in your corner to support you. Please let me know if there's anything specific that you'd like more information on. And remember to speak with your doctor before incorporating dietary changes, especially if you're on medications or other treatments. 
Thank you so much for listening. Make food fun and enjoyable. Don't feel guilt if you didn't make the healthiest choice. Just enjoy it. It'll make your whole body feel a little bit better. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to A Little Bit Better. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find this podcast. Subscribe to A Little Bit Better so you never miss an episode. Share it with friends and family. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at This Is A Little Bit Better or find me online at a littlebitbetter.ca. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like information about coaching with me, please reach out. I am Chris Swale. I'm excited to connect again soon. So until next time, have fun being a little bit better.